The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The text I call our attention to this morning is verse 3. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Beloved congregation, in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a beautiful hymn that's based on the words of this text. You might remember it. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. This hymn became one of my personal favorite hymns when it was sung at a funeral because these words from the final stanza really leapt out at me on that occasion. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. It's a short phrase, but it really captures the entirety of the Christian's life and experience, doesn't it? He leadeth me. He leadeth me. I may be standing with tear streaks on my face next to the bed of affliction of one of my loved ones. I may be filled with shame and guilt after failing once more in my battle against besetting sin. I may be confused and lost wandering in the darkness of depression. Yet, as a Christian, I believe he leadeth me. He leadeth me through life, and he leadeth me through death. He leadeth me in body, and he leadeth me in soul. And if it is he who leadeth me, then I know he will lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And if it is he who leadeth me, then I know he will lead me to that house where goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He leadeth me. As we gather around the table of the Lord this morning, beloved, let us think on those powerful words from this psalm. He leadeth me. That's the theme of the sermon this morning. He leadeth me, first, in paths of righteousness. Secondly, to a restored life. He restoreth my soul, the psalmist says. And then finally, he does this for his name's sake. Sheep, apparently, again, I'm not a shepherd, but apparently sheep are destructive creatures. Philip Keller, in A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, says that sheep will stubbornly follow the same path again and again and again and again. They will go in the same trail until that trail becomes a muddy mess riddled with manure and parasites. And they will snap up every green blade of grass in sight until that pasture land is all but ruined by the sheep. Leave a flock of sheep in an area unmanaged, unled, and soon that area, that pasture land, will become a muddy wasteland. Sheep also have a tendency to wander off by themselves. Jesus used a picture that was true to life when he spoke of that one sheep who wandered away from the ninety and nine. And if you know how predators work, you know why that's such a problem for that one erring sheep. A sheep that is isolated and all by itself is easy pickings for a hungry wolf or a prowling lion who always seek to isolate and then destroy. And this is the picture that the Bible gives not just for a few Christians who may be especially prone to wander off away from the flock, but this is the picture that the Bible provides for every last one of us if we know ourselves rightly. 
All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned, everyone to his own way, Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, verse 6. That sheep, prone to wander, prone to go on their own paths, paths that are destructive and not helpful. Nevertheless, the psalmist says, He leadeth me, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness are good paths. The paths of righteousness are paths not so destructive of the environment as when the sheep are left to themselves. The paths of righteousness are the paths that keep the sheep together rather than isolating them and exposing them to predators. Those paths may be difficult to follow. Those paths may be narrow and straight ways. It's easier to trudge in that same old familiar rut. Nevertheless, they are the paths of righteousness, and therefore they are the paths to be on. Can you relate, beloved, to those foolish sheep walking around stubbornly again and again and again in the rut of their own filth? There's an easy way. There's a broad path that many walk down. A broad, easy path that nevertheless leaves a trail of destruction in its path and leads those who follow it to destruction themselves. A path that's full of pleasures a path that's full of distractions. Perhaps you enjoy watching those programs that are filled with violence and sexual content. And as you watch them, you forget about or you deliberately ignore the fact that there are little eyes looking over your shoulder, learning what dad and mom find important in life and what dad and mom find entertaining in their spare time. And then they begin to follow in the same old familiar ruts that dad and mom trudged in day in and day, not, and, and, and day in and day out. And they begin to pick up the same parasites of sin and of friendship with the world. Is this worldly entertainment that I'm putting before my eyes and the eyes of my family one of the paths of righteousness? Is this a path on which the good shepherd would choose to lead his own little lambs? Can you relate to those erring sheep who go away from the flock, everyone to his own way? Are you perhaps the rebellious young person who chooses to scoff at the wisdom of dad and mom and denigrate it as outdated and old-fashioned? Are you the church member who's always right and who knows that everybody else is always wrong? Are you that person who will not be discipled, will not be disciplined? Are you that one who will not be taught because you know the way? To some extent, that's all of us, isn't it? Proud sheep, stubborn sheep, self-righteous, self-seeking Foolish sheep. But that's not the path of righteousness. Straight paths. True paths. Approved by God paths. Paths that may be difficult. Paths that may challenge us with respect to our endurance, endurance and perseverance. Paths that at times may lead us straight through the valley of the shadow of death. These are the paths of righteousness. That straight and narrow way that the Lord spoke of. These are the paths the shepherd lays before his sheep. And what a blessing to know that it is he, the shepherd, the Lord, who leadeth me in those paths Maybe he leads me in those paths by letting me go away in my rebellious 
ways for a time, like Jonah, so that I have to learn the hard way. Maybe he leads me in those paths of righteousness by allowing me to see the consequences of my poor choices in my own life or in the lives of my children. Maybe he leads me in those paths of righteousness by eventually bringing me to the end of myself so that all, all, I, all I can do is cry out to God from the midst of the muddy mess of my life and ask for him to help me and deliver me. But this the sheep may know and this the sheep may always be confident in he leadeth me, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. By his Spirit, always, he is carefully, wisely, wonderfully, progressively shaping my path before me and causing me to walk in the way that he chooses for my life, sometimes gently prodding me along with his shepherd's staff, the way shepherds will do. Other times more firmly, with a rod, correcting me, but always he leadeth me, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. What this means for the shepherd himself is that he must know these paths. The shepherd must be intimately acquainted with the paths on which he aims to lead his sheep upon. He must be walking on those paths so that he has first-hand knowledge of those paths. What this means for the shepherd also is that he must be one or two steps ahead of the sheep whom he is leading on those paths. He must anticipate what those sheep are going to be up against when they follow his lead on those paths. He, as the shepherd, must know where the pitfalls are. He must know where the dead ends are, where the forks in the road are, where the sheep may be tempted to wander away. He must be ready sometimes to leave the 90 and 9 and to go off in search of that one who strays away from the flock. He must be ready and willing to take his rod in his hand, not just to discipline the erring sheep, but maybe to go confront the wolf and the lion who seeks to devour the sheep. He must be a leader. The shepherd must. And there's no one who more embodies the spirit of the shepherd and of the shepherd's leadership than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one better acquainted with the paths of righteousness, beloved, than the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. He walked on those paths his whole life. He walked on the paths of righteousness. Even when those paths led him into trouble, even when those paths led him into conflict with the scribes and the Pharisees. He walked on those paths even when those paths led him through the deepest and the darkest valleys that human beings could ever face in this life. And even worse than that, he walked on those paths even when they seemed to lead him straight into a dead end. Even when those paths led him straight to the cross. Yet he walked on them, never straying from one hand to the left, never erring, never wandering, never going off in his own way, never adopting the spirit of the maverick, never adopting the spirit of the individualist. He walked on those paths for the honor and glory of God. He walked on those paths as one with his sheep and with his people. He walked on those paths so that now he knows every pitfall and every fork in the road. He knows every off-ramp that would lead away from the straight and narrow onto that broad way. Jesus, the good shepherd, was tempted himself, you know. Tempted personally. Tempted by the devil. He was given every opportunity to serve himself. Every opportunity to seek his own pleasure his own ease rather than the honor and glory of God. In every possible way that you could be tempted, he has been tempted, except he faced the temptation without sin. He's able, therefore, he's equipped to lead us in the paths of righteousness. He's able to give us a righteousness 
that comes from him and that only he can give us, first of all. For as our shepherd, he is also our head and our legal representative before the judge. Remember, that's how the psalm begins. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's that talking about? It's talking about that union, that close, intimate union between shepherd and his sheep. So that shepherd and his sheep really become one unit. And all of the needs of the sheep are given over to the shepherd. And the shepherd cares for the sheep. And the things that the shepherd possesses become the possession of the sheep. And the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, possesses righteousness. As one who walked on those paths of righteousness himself his whole life long, the Lord God, the judge of heaven and earth, sees that and he imputes what Jesus Christ has unto the sheep and so that they become righteous in him. And surely that's part of what the psalmist means when he says, he leadeth, uh, leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He, he gives me his own righteousness. Remember that as you eat and as you drink of the body and blood of the Lord this morning, beloved, that's what that's symbolizing for, for you. Everything that is Christ's is very life his very blood and flesh become yours as you eat and drink by faith. We become bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, united to him ever more closely. And the God of heaven declares to us that our sins are forgiven, that we are righteous and for, uh, for his sake, just as if we had never walked in those ruts of filth and sin. And just as if we had only ever walked in the paths of righteousness our whole life long. That's what, that's what he declares to us this morning. We believe that. But the shepherd also makes us to walk in those paths of righteousness. Causes our own feet to trod those paths of righteousness ourselves. As the shepherd who has gone ahead, he knows every danger. He knows every pitfall, every temptation. So if we wander from the path in our weakness, he goes off to seek us and to find us. If we stumble into the wolf's lair, he goes after us with his rod to deliver us from the, sheep's from the wolf's mouth. And he brings us back to the path with his shepherd's staff and with his rod, he brings us back to the path. And as many times as we go off that path, he brings us back to the path. He leads us in the paths of righteousness, though that path be difficult and filled with peril. He leads us. Do you know that, beloved? Do you confess that with the psalmist? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Maybe you say, Oh, no, I can't. I can't do that. I can't renounce my own will. I can't give up my, my stubbornness. I can't give up those pleasures, those distractions. I can't resist that broad and easy way. Do you say that to yourself? Then you're back in those muddy, manure-ridden ruts. That's the way you talk. And you are back to that erring off of the path. Everyone going to his own way. And if you are one of the sheep, I tell you, he will come for you and he will put you back on the path. And where you say, I can't, I can't, I can't, he will say, oh yes, you can. Oh yes, you can. He might have to use his rod to make it happen, but he will make it happen. Don't say it, beloved. Don't say, I can't. For what you are saying, if you say, I can't, is, I won't. I won't. I won't. I refuse. 
I reject his leading. Don't say that. Rather say, he leadeth me. O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. And because he leadeth me, I can and I will walk in the paths of righteousness. For the shepherd who leadeth me also restores my soul. And that also is an important part of the psalmist's confession in our text this morning. He restoreth my soul. The fact is, sheep do sometimes fall into such peril that their very lives are in jeopardy. They become lost. And having become lost, they're alone. And they have no way of getting back to the flock. And the jaws of the lion find them, or of the wolf. The example Philip Keller uses of a sheep in peril and a shepherd looks at Psalm 23 is when a sheep is cast. I had never heard that term before, but it's a pretty profound or a pretty powerful illustration of of a sheep whose life is in peril. A cast sheep is a sheep that falls on its back. And when a sheep falls on its back, it can't roll over and right itself, but it just lies there with its feet in the air, helpless. And that makes it easy prey, even easier prey, to some roaming predator who may come stalking for its life. Or it might just die there, lying in the grass with its feet in the air, because when a sheep is cast, it causes all kinds of gastrointestinal problems in the sheep. And it might die of illness. He restoreth my soul, therefore, is an important aspect of the way in which the shepherd leadeth me. That word soul in the original language isn't just referring to what we think of when we hear the word soul, which is that an invisible aspect of human nature. But the word soul here really refers to the whole life of a person. Your, your soul, your life. My life is in jeopardy. My life is in jeopardy because I'm slipping into some deep, dark hole and there's no way out. But he restoreth my soul, the psalmist says. He brings me back to life from the brink of death. He sets me back on my feet so that that illness doesn't kill me. Or he delivers me from the jaws of the lion that otherwise would have consumed me. Now there are certain times in particular, in which we relate in a special way to what the psalmist is saying here. There are times when the child of God really feels like he's just groping around in the darkness. He's despairing. She's feeling depressed. She's afraid of death. Afraid of something. There's times when the child of God is brought to the end of himself. When it feels like the guilt and the shame is too powerful, too enclosing, and the walls are pressing around him, and it's difficult, and it feels like there's no escape. I'm dying, I'm dying. And then the Lord opens the way, and he sets you back on your feet, and he leads you back to the still waters and the quiet streams and the green pastures. He restoreth my soul. There are special times in the Christian's life when he or she feels that restorative power of grace delivering you from some unique affliction, some besetting sin, some trial in your life. And yet the reality is the psalmist's confession here isn't just about those special and unique times that we may experience that restorative grace from God, but this is Really just a description of God's entire way with us. He restoreth my soul. He brings me, who am dead in trespasses and sins, back to life. He delivers me, who am appointed to destruction on account of my sin in Adam and the many actual sins that I have committed. And he gives me hope. 
He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death to a table that he has prepared for me in the presence of mine enemies. He restoreth my soul. That's simply a description of the reality of salvation itself. Think of that this morning as you eat and drink the body and blood of the Lord. He restoreth my soul. Think of what it cost him. Think of his body broken on that cross. His blood shed in the dust. Think of his suffering. But then enjoy, remember that by doing so, he has restored the dead back to life. And he gives his body and his blood now as the food and drink that restores our souls and nourishes us unto everlasting life. And what a beautiful, precious life to which he restores us, beloved. The life to which he restores us is his own life. His own life, the life of Christ, goes in us just like that bread and that Wine goes in you and becomes a part of you. So the life of Jesus Christ, the life of the risen Savior, triumphant over death and hell, goes in us, becomes bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, and that's how he leadeth us. Do you understand that? He leads us by chastening sometimes, as we said. He leads us by bringing us to the end of ourselves sometimes, as we said. He leads us by external means, such as the preaching of the gospel and the use of Christian discipline. But it's deeper than that, beloved. His leading of us as the shepherd is a leading that goes right down inside of us by the spirit that he puts in us. He leads us by living within us. He leads us by changing us from the inside, changing our desires breaking down our resistance to his righteous will, teaching us what love really is, what love truly consists of, rather than the false, self-centered view of love that we have in our nature. And that's why, beloved, we must never say, I can't. For if you say, I can't, then you contradict this confession that the word of God puts in the mouth of every one of God's sheep. And the confession is, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For I have a life that has been restored to me. I have a spirit, a living spirit who lives within me. I can and I will follow the shepherd who leadeth me. For this shepherd restoreth my soul. Remember that. When you're flipping through the channels and tempted to land on entertainment that you know shouldn't be watched in your house and you know very well that your children's eyes shouldn't be seeing, remember that, young person, before you write off the wisdom of your dad and mom and before you go off in the way of dishonorable rebellion against your parents, Christ is in you. If you are a sheep, Christ is in you. His life is in you. And he's leading you. And you must follow him. You must yield yourself to his leadership. His direction. That's the life he gives us. His own life. But there's more, beloved. For the life to which he restores us ultimately is the life of heaven itself. It's everlasting life. That's why I find that final stanza of that hymn so moving and so powerful in the context of a Christian funeral. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory is won, e'en death's cold wave, I will not flee, for God through Jordan leadeth me. And that too is his leadership in the paths of righteousness, in the paths that he approves of, that he has set for our lives. Do you know that, beloved? 
Do you know that he restoreth your soul? Do you know that he feeds you with the bread of heaven this morning? Do you know that he quenches your thirst with a cup of salvation? Do not hesitate to follow him where he leads. For he restoreth my soul. And you say that of yourself. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And he does so for his name's sake. You see, the shepherd's reputation is on the line when it comes to how his sheep are handled and how his sheep are doing. It looks pretty bad if the sheep are destroying the pasture lands and leaving a wake of destruction behind them all of the time. People will start asking questions. Does this shepherd know what he's doing? Does this shepherd even care about the sheep that are under his care? That's a powerful motivation to spur the shepherd into action and to make sure that he's leading his flock. His own reputation is on the line. His own name is attached to the welfare of his sheep. All the more so when it's the glory and honor of Jehovah God that is on the line. The shepherd, Jehovah, the good shepherd, beloved, has put his own name and his own honor on the sheep that he has purchased with the blood of his son. He's not going to do that and then allow the sheep to go on into ruin by letting them lead themselves into their own foolishness. No, he's going to manage them as every good shepherd ought to. He's going to restore them when they fall helplessly on their backs. He's going to lead them in the paths of righteousness, the paths that are for their own good and for the good of those around them, the good paths, the wholesome paths. And he's going to do so for his own name's sake. His own reputation is on the line. And that ought to give us a great deal of confidence in this shepherd's leadership, beloved. He's not doing this just for you. He's not doing this just for me. If he was doing it just for you, you might be able to come up with all kinds of reasons why he might say, well, enough is enough. Again? He's back on his back again? I got to go set him up right again? He wandered into that wolf's lair again? So foolish. If he was doing it just for us, we might come up with all kinds of reasons why he'd say, that's enough. But he's not doing it just for you. He's not doing it just for me. He's doing it for his own namesake. He wants to show you and he wants to show his enemies that he can take this flock of sick, foolish, degenerate sheep and he can restore them back to life and he can lead them in the paths of righteousness and he will do it. He will do it. He will stop at nothing to do it. He will stop not even at the death of his own son to do it and to bring it to pass for his name's sake. And if that gives the shepherd a great deal of motivation to lead his sheep in the paths of righteousness and to restore them to life, that ought also to give us a great deal of motivation to follow him and to receive his leadership, beloved, not stubbornly, not resisting the Spirit, but with humility, with the conscious knowledge that this gracious shepherd is willing to place his own life on the line, his own name and his own reputation on the line for me. Let your heart be soft, beloved. Let your heart be receptive to his leadership, to his guidance. Eat and drink 
Receive the body and blood of the Lord. Receive that nourishment and follow his lead. And when you get stuck and when you become afraid, when you err, don't then despair. Don't then give up. Don't then say, well, I can't. I can't do it. Take heart. Be confident. and Confess with the psalmist. He leadeth me. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Bless that word to our hearts. And now let thy spirit be with us as we participate in the sacrament of the body and blood of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's now turn to the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper, found on page 91 in the back of the Psalter. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, attend to the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, as they are delivered by the Holy Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 29. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That we may now celebrate the supper of the Lord to our comfort, it is above all things necessary, first, rightly to examine ourselves, secondly, to direct it to that end for which Christ hath ordained and instituted the same, namely, to his remembrance. We read the portion concerning the true examination of ourselves already last week, and we have been examining ourselves this week. So now we turn to the next page and begin reading with Let Us Now Consider. Let us now also consider to what end the Lord hath instituted his supper, namely that we do it in remembrance of him. Now after this manner are we to remember him by it, First, that we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world, that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished everlastingly from the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, and that he hath fulfilled for us all ob obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him the bloody sweat in the garden, for he was bound that we might be freed from our sins, that he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches that we might never be confounded, that he was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God, yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed on the cross, that he might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon himself the curse due to us, that he might fill us with his blessings, and hath humbled himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul, on the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken of him. And finally confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, it is finished. Secondly, and that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, 
The Lord Jesus Christ in his last supper took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner also after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many, for the remission of sins. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is, as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye shall thereby, as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness towards you, that whereas you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you and as certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as this bread is broken before your eyes, and this cup is given to you, and you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross, as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation wherein he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit, that we by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Besides, that we by this same Spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the holy apostle saith, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For as out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked, and out, out, and out of many berries being pressed together, one wine floweth and mixeth itself together, so shall we all, who by a true faith are engrafted into Christ, be all together one body through brotherly love for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior, who hath so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God and with true faith implore his grace. O most merciful God and Father, we beseech Thee that Thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of Thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that we may daily, more and more, with true confidence, give ourselves up unto Thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts, through the power of the Holy Ghost, may be fed and comforted with His true body and blood, Yea, with him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread, and that we may no longer live in our sins, but he in us, and we in him, and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace, that we may not doubt, but thou wilt forever be our gracious Father, never more imputing our sins unto us, and providing us with all things necessary, as well for the body as the soul, as thy beloved children and heirs. Grant us also thy grace, that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations, with uplifted heads, expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body, and take us unto him in eternity. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Strengthen us also by this holy supper, in the Catholic, undoubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. 
he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That we may now be fed with the true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave with our hearts unto the external bread and wine, but lift them up on high in heaven, where Christ Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of his heavenly Father, whither all the articles of our faith lead us, not doubting, but we shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Ghost with his body and blood as we receive the holy bread and wine in remembrance of him. As the table is being prepared, we will sing the second stanza of Psalter number 56.
the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat, remember and believe that his body was broken for you. Thank you.
The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it, and do so in remembrance of him. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord hath now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving. <coughs> and everyone say in his heart thus, <coughs> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore God commendeth therewith his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. We now have the opportunity to express our thanksgiving to God for his mercies, both by singing, number 284, We're going to sing stanzas 1, 2, and 4 of 284. And as we sing that, the thank offering for evangelism will be taken.
We now offer the prayer of thanksgiving, after which we will rise for the doxology and receive the benediction. Let us pray. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thy infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator and a sacrifice for our sins, and to be our meat and drink unto life eternal, and that thou givest us, hast given us lively faith whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ may tend to the daily increase of our faith and saving fellowship with him through Jesus Christ, thy Son, in whose name we conclude our prayer, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit abide with you all. Amen. <laughs> 